We're going to study tonight a tshuva of the Binyan Tzion, Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger. We have seen several of his, well, at least one, or I think maybe more than one of his tshuvas before. Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger was a, one of the Gedole Hadar in Germany in the first half, first two-thirds of the 19th century. He was, he, 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 he was a teacher, apparently, of some of the great, other great German Chacham of the next, of the next generation, Rav Israel Hildesheimer, Rav Shamshin Raphael Hirsch. He was a great Talmud Chacham. His, uh, his, his Farim are classics. His Aruch Laner is a classic commentary on various Masechtas of the Shas. And his Chuvos in the Binyan Tzion are classic 19th century, classic 19th century Chuvos. In some ways, Rav Etlinger was a modern figure, kind of the beginning of the, the modern orthodoxy. Obviously, his student was Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch, but in addition, in addition, he was the he, he spent some time studying in sometimes studying in university. He was uh, I, I don't know to what extent, but but he, he was apparently one of the first. What, he was uh, he, he he was noted for having spent at least some time in university. He. Uh, he he founded participated I think in an early in an early rabbinic uh, journal. The he he he, he, was, he was a writer. He wrote all kinds of uh, articles in the periodicals. Some of his chuvas and other stuff originated in articles in the in the journals. The Shomer Tzion Hanema and Shlomo Muna Yisrael, which were see, he, he 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 was a, he was an opponent of reform certainly he was he was a he was a he was a traditional traditional rav, but also he was uh, one of the first to grapple with modern questions various types of modern questions. He has one of the most famous tshuvas I think we, we may have studied it once on the idea of tinok shenishpa the idea that people today who are not observant and not orthodox we should have compassion and understanding rather than pure condemnation. It's not really their fault. that They don't know. They weren't taught properly. We're going to study a tshuva tonight, which is not particularly related to modernity or anything of that sort, but it is a very interesting tshuva. It touches on various themes that are appropriate to this time of the year, themes that we, some of, some of which we've covered in the past. It touches on the laws of Yom Kippur and Sukkot, as well as the general themes, uh, as, well, as well as more general hashkafic themes of sin, repentance, and atonement. He doesn't actually record the question that he's dealing with, but it is quite clear from the, it is quite clear from the tshuva what happened. The tshuva was written in Cheshvan Tafresh Yotes. So that would be 1858. 1858. The, it, was, it was a month or so after Yom Kippur. Apparently, he had a friend. He had a friend who had been seriously ill on Yom Kippur. The doctors had advised him in no uncertain terms that he needed to eat to preserve his life. The friend did so. The friend did eat on Yom Kippur. Although, as we'll see in the end of the tshuva, he may have eaten only chatisher, shiurim. The friend did eat on Yom Kippur in accordance with the guidance of the doctors, in accordance with the halacha, that a person, it's a commissioner, it's a shulchan it's a well-known halacha, if a person is, is in danger of his life, he has to eat on Yom Kippur. However, as a pious, God-fearing Jew, after Yom Kippur, the friend felt very bad. He, he, I don't know if he felt he had done something wrong. We'll, we'll see in the tshuva exactly what he did feel. But he felt, he, felt, uh, he felt spiritually tainted. He felt that he, had, he needed some kind of kapara. And he was apparently very shaken, very traumatized by what happened. 
So Rav Etlinger wrote a letter to his friend, uh, a, a kind but firm and firm letter, insisting that this was a mistaken approach. There was nothing to, he should not feel bad. There was no need for a kapara. He did exactly the right thing, and there was no need to feel, to feel bad about it. Now, when you write a tshuva like this, there are potentially three different reasons, three different motivations you have in writing such a tshuva. First of all, you may just feel it's true, like any other tshuva, so you want to express the true doctrine of the Torah. Second, you have compassion for your friend. Your friend is being tormented by, by, uh, by, by spiritual doubt and spiritual inadequacy. You want to assure him that there is no taint on his soul. And third, you want to make sure that the next time this happens, people are not going to hesitate and uh, are not going to say, well, maybe the Shulchan Aruch says you should do it, but I need a kapara, maybe I should avoid it until absolutely necessary, I'm going to wait, I'll, I'll, I'll try to hold that a little bit longer. You don't want people to push themselves past where the doctors say it's safe. So again, it's hard to know which of any of these motivations was moving the Binyan Tzion here. It's you know, quite possibly, it was just Balacha. He felt this was correct, and he felt it should be said. But in any event, clearly there are <clears throat> there are three different. There, there are three issues here, three related issues. What is the Torah's attitude towards someone who was forced to eat on Yom Kippur? So the tshuva begins. I am going to reprimand you. This expression, tochaches megula ba'ava mesuteres, famous expression in rabbinic literature, means I am going to speak tough. I'm going to speak sternly and. Uh, firmly to you, but you should know it's not, it's not out of anger or out of uh, contempt for you, it's really out of love for you, but I think you need to be told an important truth, I need to tell it to you in a way that, uh, I need to tell it to you in a way that, uh, may, that, 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 that might be a little harsh, but it's important for you to know this, and uh, that, 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 that's, a cl- that's a classic, that's a classic phrase that, that we find in rabbinic literature, it's actually based on, it's actually based on a Pasuk in Mishle, Pasuk in Mishle says, Tova tochaches megula me'ava mesuteres. Better to have open reproof than to have hidden love. So you have to see the commentaries, what exactly that pasuk means, but it's a common, but in, in rabbinic usage, this phrase means, I am going to speak, it's both, it's, it's both at once. I'm going to speak tochaches megula. I'm going to speak somewhat, uh, somewhat sternly and somewhat, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to use somewhat tough language to you, but really, it, it just conceals my Ava Musuteris. I really am quite fond of you. I'm just telling you something that you might uh, not, not want to hear, but I have to tell it to you anyway. So he says, Divri Tochaches Megula Ba'ava Musuteris. I'm going to tell you the, this thing. I see that your soul is not yet quiet, your soul is still agitated. And your, your, your spirit is still, uh, is still writhing, is still beating inside you. You're still agitated. You are unable to fast on Yom HaKippur. You're, 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 st- you're, 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 you're still worked up about this. I see that that is what, uh, I see that that's still happening. So I have to speak to you about this. So he says, the Bagamki Adati, even though I know that, that, that basically he's going to say that you're misguided and you're wrong. Even though I know that you are, that, that this is coming from a holy place, from a good place. Kiadati, Kirak, Rov, Sudkaso, Certainly it's, it's your great righteousness and your great integrity, your great uprightness that is causing you to have this, this crisis of conscience. Nevertheless, he says, you, you still have to understand that you're wrong. I also know, I'm also convinced, he says, 
besides your spiritual feelings, I also know that you have Torah wisdom. You're capable of understanding the truth, of discerning correct and incorrect attitudes. And you're completely wrong, he says. Why do you say such things, he says. Asher Kasav Muktavo Hayakar, Rab Etlinger's friend, had written to him, this person wrote, May Hashem have mercy on my soul, may Hashem forgive me, I need, an, I need atonement. His friend was convinced that he had some kind of taint, some kind of stain on his soul that had to be expiated, that required kapara from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says Rav Etlinger, what are you talking about? What kapara, he says, who needs a kapara? We don't need a kapara here. The Torah only talks about kapara for someone who's a shogeg, who had some level of carelessness. The Torah calls a shogeg a chote. Someone who's a shogeg has some level of culpability, requires a carbon, requires kapara. If you're absolutely an ones, if it's not your fault at all, this is a halacha we find throughout Shas. When do you bring a carbon if you're a shogeg? If you were careless, you could have done better, you should have done better. If it's an onus, if you had no choice, if you were, if you were forced to do it, you're potter. There are no consequences, no carbon, no need for kapara. Afilu loha yarak onus greida. Even had it been an ordinary onus, kolshkein onus kazesh, from mitzvahs minishmartim. Not only are you an onus, you did a mitzvah, he says. Preserving life, as we've discussed many times, preserving life is a mitzvah. We don't believe in radical personal autonomy. A person is not allowed to dispose of his life. A person has a mitzvah to preserve his life. We had, the, we had this pasuk a few parshiyos ago, v'nishmartem od l'nafshoseichem. It's actually, the, the Mepharshim point out, it's, 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 it's a little bit uh, curious. The pasuk itself is not talking about preserving your life. The pasuk is talking about avoiding theological error. It says, be careful about your soul, or reisim kol You didn't see any images or forms of God. God is incorporeal. In, in That's what the pasuk is literally talking about, but the Rambam and Achronim bring this pasuk down as, a, as, an, as an admonition from the Torah to literally to, to be careful of your life, of your soul, to, to, to preserve your life. Therefore, not only were you an onus, you actually fulfilled a mitzvah. Now, the basic point of the Binyan Tzion, that an onus does not need a kapara, we discussed this several times. We, recently, just a few weeks ago, a month or two ago, we discussed this in the context of the Panamiris. Panamiris has a small but very important tshuva. He was asked about someone who ate meat, and then, it was, then the animal was discovered to be a trefa. Now, the halach is, we're only bodek, we only inspect for certain trefas, the lungs, most famously the lungs, we, we inspect for a few trefas, but there are dozens of trefas. The Mishnah says 8 or 18 or 70, the Rambam says. There are dozens and dozens of trefas, and we don't check for most of them. So one of the ones that we don't check for, a perforation of the intestines or something like that, one of the ones that we don't check for, was discovered after, somehow it somehow came, came to light after people ate the meat. The question is, do those people need a kapara for their avera? Says, says the Panamiris, no, they don't, because they didn't do anything wrong. That, that they, uh, they, weren't, they, were, they didn't have to check, so they're an onus, onus from Manapatri. The Binyan Tzion says, the same thing applies over here, he doesn't bring the Panamiris, but he applies essentially the same principle, that all the, all the punishments and atonements and karbanas of the Torah are only for mazid, or at least for shogig, but Ones Rahmana Patre, Ones there's no criminal liability, Ones there's no Chief Carbon, Ones Rahmana Patre, there is no culpability at all, no need for a kapara. And that's even an ordinary onus, he says, simply an onus where I had no choice. 
Certainly in Ones like this, where I fulfilled a, a mitzvah, a positive mitzvah, to be careful to preserve your life, he says, certainly there's no need for kapara. That is the, that is the basic holding of the, of the, of the Benintia. And now he, he goes on, he says, Vashar Kosav, Shema Harofim Tov, Another angle, the Rav Etlinger's friend said, maybe the doctors weren't right. Maybe the doctors uh, were, were too quick to tell me to eat. This is a common problem. Doctors, especially if they're not religious and they don't, they don't really understand, they don't always respect the, the laws of the Torah, they think, you know, religion, it's nice if it's convenient, but they don't always understand that unless it's literally life and death, you can't eat. They, 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 they want to help you. They want you to be comfortable. They think it's just healthier for you to eat in general. <coughs> so the problem is that uh, you know, doctors are experts on medicine. They aren't always experts on the halacha. They don't always fully understand or fully accept the halakha requirements. So this person, Rav Etlinger's friend, was concerned. Maybe the doctors told me to eat, even though it wasn't strictly necessary. It wasn't, uh, who said they're really correct? Says Rav Etlinger, that is a wrong-headed attitude as well. This is a clear halacha in the poskim, an unambiguous, unequivocal halacha. Nifsak b'shulchan arach. Even in a case where the patient himself says, I don't need to eat, I'm fine, I can make it. And the physician says, The rofe says, I'm not sure, but I think there's a real, a real possibility that he may be in danger if he doesn't eat. So the patient insists that he's fine, even the doctor is not sure. Nevertheless, if the rofe says, at least maybe there's a chance that he needs to eat or he'll, or he'll be in danger, we eat, we override the patient, we, even though the doctor is not sure. We absolutely, we, 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 we're Mechal Yom Kippur, we eat on Yom Kippur, even if the doctor says there's only a chance, even if the patient says there's no need. The halach is we follow doctors. Yes, it's true, doctors are not infallible, doctors are not always right. Doctors themselves will tell you that medicine is not always an exact science, we, we just give you our best opinion. But the halacha accepts that. The halacha says that, that, that if you get a, an opinion from a doctor, you follow it, despite the fact that doctors are not infallible. And, and you eat on Yom Kippur, he says. So why are you worried that maybe the doctor was wrong? That's not the way the halacha works, he says. The halacha works, you're supposed to consult the doctors and do what they say. So you did exactly right, he says. So why are you second-guessing the doctors? Kolshkin bazet. That's a case, even if the doctor is not sure you have to eat. Kolshkin bazet. certainly in this case, Sharofim amru b'berish tzarech. The rofim told you unequivocally, we are convinced you do have to eat. You were absolutely obligated to listen to them. Why are you second-guessing this? You did absolutely the right thing, and there is no need for any, any kapara, for any kind, of, uh, any kind of anguish. Now, Benintian goes on, and he says, So this is a very interesting point made by Rav Etlinger's friend. Rav Etlinger's friend refers to a Gemara in Yoma, and before we mention the Gemara in Yoma, we should mention the famous Mishnah in Sukkah. The Mishnah in Sukkah says, that if a that if, a, if if that when it rains, I think it's a Mishnah. It says when it rains on Sukkos, that and a person and a person is unable to, and and a, and a, per, and a person is therefore unable to uh, a person a person a person is unable to sleep in the Sukkah. A person is unable to eat in the Sukkah. It says Mushal, It says Mushal, uh, Mushal, What is this like? What, 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 what do we compare this to someone, what do we compare this to someone who was 
someone who wanted someone, someone who wanted to enter the sukkah and was unable to because of the, because of the rain. It's a marshal to an eved to a servant who brought his master a pitcher of water, and he spilled the water in his face. There's there's some discussion as to who's spilling the water in whose face. Is it the it's a mission in sukkah daf chavchesim base that says that. It says, You should make the sukkah your primary dwelling for all seven days. Your house should be only a temporary dwelling. You can leave. But Chazal made a mashal, and they, they, they gave an allegory. They said, A servant pours, mixes wine for a glass for his, for his master, and he spills the ketone, he spills the pitcher, the Gemara talks about who spilled the, who spilled the pitcher and who. The, man, the master threw the water back in the servant's face. The servant spilled the water in his master's face. But either way, it's, uh, you, know, you shouldn't just say, oh, good, uh, it's, it, uh, I'm, I'm lucky, I don't have to sit in the sukkah. You should view this as shafach lokiton al panav. Okay, that's sukkah. We don't find this expression in, in Chazal of shafach lokiton al panav by any other mitzvah. Even sukkah, we only find it about rain. We don't find it about other types of mitzvah, other types of distress that you can't be in the sukkah, bees, cold, and we don't find it in any other mitzvah. However, there is a Rashi. Rashi does invoke it in the context of Yom Kippur, of someone who, uh, in the context of Yom Kippur. There's a very, um, a very uh, interesting Gemara in Maseches Yoma. The Gemara in Maseches Yoma says as follows. It says, Haroa keri biyom kippurim. If someone has a seminal emission on Yom Kippur by accident, meaning it just uh, he experienced the, the physical sensation, of course, you, uh, uh, marital intimacy is prohibited on Yom Kippur. So the person, of course, did not violate the halacha, but somehow, without any uh, doing of his own, he experienced a seminal emission. So the Gemara brings one opinion that says, Avanosav Mechulinlo. It's a simon min Hashemayim that it's a simon that he'll have descendants. Hashem is smiling on him that, that, that his sins have been forgiven. The Gemara brings a brisa. It says that it brings from Tanah Dvar Bishmael. If someone has carry on Yom Kippur, sees carry on Yom Kippur, Yidad Kol Hashanakula, he should worry. He should worry that he that that God is frowning upon him. That this is a sign of divine disfavor. Maybe they're not accepting his tannis. And they're saying, we don't want your tannis. Go have a good time. Go, go feel good. Here's a, here's a seminal emission. And Rashi says, it's like the, 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 the mashal and sukkah. It's like a person tries to serve his master and brings a coast to his master. So Rashi borrows the, that, that, that metaphor of the Mishnah and sukkah and applies it to what the Gemara is saying here. When the Gemara says, the person tried to observe Yom Kippur, but Hashem made him experience some pleasure on Yom Kippur, so Yidag Kolashonakula, the person has to worry that God is rejecting his Avodavim Kippur. However, Malsaloshana, if he survives the year without dying, he's in a very precarious state the whole year because maybe Hashem is, is angry with him. But if he makes it through the year, then Muftachlo Shubanolam Haba. Then if, 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 if even though this happened, still it's uh, still it's uh, he still survives, and clearly he's a tzaddik. So both are true. On the one hand, if someone sees Kerry it's uh, if someone sees Kerry, he's in a very precarious position for the for the rest of the year. We have to be choshesh at the simon ra. But if he makes it through the year, then we say that uh, his his matzim tovim protected him. You have the first gemara that says avanosav mechulam lo. That uh, so it, it can be a simon, either a good simon or a bad simon. 
but uh, the person should worry up for, the, for up to a year that maybe he's going to die because maybe Hashem is saying, I don't want your, I don't want your avod of Yom Kippur. If he makes it through the year, then muftachlo uh, shuban olam haba. And we also say, have anosa mechulam lo. So Rav Eslinger's friend had suggested, you see, on Yom Kippur gufa, it's not the person's fault. He saw Kerry. It wasn't his fault. Afal Pikain, it's a simon rad, just like in Sukkot. It's a simon rad. It's a simon minashamayim, quite possibly, that they're rejecting his avod of Yom Kippur. So me too, he says. Hashem made me sick, and I had to eat. So maybe that's a simon ra minashamayim, that Hashem doesn't want my avod of Yom Kippur. Hashem is, Hashem is throwing it back in my face and saying, I'm not interested in your avod of Yom Kippur. You, you, you're going to go eat. I'll make you eat. I'll make you sick. You'll eat. You, you want to fast. You want to do the right thing. Not interested, Hashem says. So it, it, just like the rain, in other words, where Rashi understands the Gemara in, in, in Yoma, it's a lot like rain, just like rain on, on Sukkot, a person's allowed to go inside, but he should feel bad. I, I don't know if we're always on this Madrega, that when it rains on Sukkot, we feel bad about it, but you should. It, the, the, you should. It, the, the, that's, the, that's the implication of the Mishnah. So this person understood the Gemara in Yoma, the Rashi in Yoma, the same thing applies to Yom Kippur, if a person tried to fast on Yom Kippur but was unable to, he should assume or suspect that Hashem is telling him, I don't want your avodah of Yom Kippur, and he should feel bad, and he needs some kind of kapara, he has to worry. Says Rav Etlinger, for, for, for a number of reasons, for three or four reasons, that is not the implication of the Gemara in Yom. Al-Zeh I have a question for you, he says. Why did, why did the Tana pick such an odd, uh, somewhat uh, crude case of seeing Kerry on Yom Kippur? Why didn't it say, like your case, someone who was forced to eat on Yom Kippur because of, uh, because of Ones or Shogig, or someone who was forced to do Malach on Yom Kippur? He has to take his wife to the hospital because, because she, she was having a baby. Why do we pick a case of raw Kerry? The way you understand this Gemara, that if someone is forced to Mechalal Shabbos or Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, even if it's Machmas Ones, Bikoch Nefesh, that's what we're talking about. That's Shafak Lokit and Alpanov. So, why did the Gemara pick such, a, such an odd case of raw Kerry? Why didn't it pick a case more like you that you ate on Yom Kippur? Say the same thing. Say it's a, that's like Shafak Kiton. On Shabbos, every Shabbos, the halacha, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a well-known halacha. We all know the halacha that Bikoch Nefesh is Docha Shabbos. Not only that, but it's a mitzvah, the Hazara is raised in Meshubach. Someone who acts with alacrity is praiseworthy. You shouldn't uh, procrastinate and hope to avoid Chil Shabbos. If someone is in need, you should spring into action and be Mechal Shabbos. What do you mean? What do you mean Meshubach? We just said it's like Shafach Lokito. And according to the way you understand, my friend, he told him, according to the way you understand that when someone tries to keep Shabbos, tries to keep him Kippur, and Hashem causes him to have to eat or do Malacha or to violate the, these Halachas, even if it's an Ones, that's a sign that God is rejecting his good intentions, so what do you mean to raise the Meshavach? You should say you should feel like, uh, like you're being spurned, like Hashem is saying, I don't want your, uh, your, I don't want your avod, I don't want your mitzvahs. So what's the difference? So why? So what, so what, what is the, why does the Mara single out? Rah, Kerry, why don't we apply this to every case of Shabbos and Yom Kippur? Omnam Barur. So now the Binyan Siyan says several reasons why this halacha is much narrower than his friend thought. That this idea of uh, Yidag Kalashana is much narrower than his friend thought. First idea is, Zelo Shaykh Rach Mashbala Adam Shlomi Daito. This idea that it's Hashem is rejecting his avoda is only something that happens involuntarily. That the Kerry, he saw Kerry, he didn't do anything. He was a passive, he was a passive participant. He just, his, his body experienced this sensation, this, this experience. He didn't do anything. That's when we say, 
that like Rashi says, Shalomi datu is biyu, he tried to fast, and Menashe Mayim, they gave him pleasure, that since it happened, Menashe Mayim, without any act, without any efforts of his own, then we can say that it's, it's some kind of sign, Menashe Mayim, Niten lo simen vazem Menashe Mayim, lahetiv, can either be a good sign or a bad sign, either shenimas avodah, so either Hashem is rejecting his avodah, o lahetiv, or if he survives the year, then it's a good sign. We say that he doesn't need Yom Kippur. He, he, he's in such a high level. He's doing so well. Hashem says, don't worry about Yom Kippur. You're fine. Yom Kippur is for regular people. You're so far ahead of the game, you don't even have to worry about uh, suffering inui, suffering discomfort and, uh, and deprivation on Yom Kippur. Okay, so that's when you didn't do anything on your own. It's completely Minashimayim. You're simply a passive participant like the... Like, like the case of the rain, well, I'm not sure about the rain, but at least the case of the carry. That's why we can say these faras, that's why you have to worry, and for the, for the rest of the year, you have to worry that it's not, uh, that it's a similar minashamayim. Omnami says, Masha osa adam machshavto. What you do consciously, deliberately, you chose to eat. It was the right thing to do. Allah says you should eat, but it ultimately it is a concrete, deliberate act, it, it is a uh, autonomous, deliberate action that you chose. There's no, no one showing you any simon. You have bechira. So what you chose to do, whether you're a shogeg or an ones, that that's not included in the simon ra. As I was getting tangled up a moment ago, I'm not sure how this works in the mission in sukkah. In the case of the rain, yes, Hashem sent the rain, but you had the choice of staying in the sukkah or going inside. Uh, you're an onus. You can't stay in the circle when it's raining. But at the end of the day, you chose to you chose to go inside, just like you chose to eat on Yom Kippur. So it's possible that Benyamin understood that sitting in the circle when it's raining is nothing. It's a meaningless action. Teshvu kain taduru. It's not a circle when it rains. It's not teshvu kain taduru. So you don't really have a choice. You can stay in the circle, but that's a meaningless action. On Yom Kippur, you can eat or not eat. If you eat, then you save your life, but you violate Yom Kippur. If you don't eat. Maybe you'll die, but at least you didn't eat on Yom Kippur. It's, it's a choice. You, you made the right choice. You ate. But since ultimately it's your choice, the Binyan Sian says, we can't call that a simon ra. Simon ra, theologically, is only when you are passive, when the simon is handed down in Hashemayim. But ultimately it's your decision to make, and you make the right decision, we can't call that a simon ra. That's his first far. So the, the metaphor, the, 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 the marshal of Shafach Lokiton, is only when it is in Hashemayim. But if you had to make a choice, and you made the right choice not to keep Yom Kippur, not to keep Shabbos in order to preserve your life, there's no Shafach Lokitom because it was your choice and you made the right choice. That's the first svara. There is no Shafach Lokitom. There's no uh, analogy to Shafach Lokitom in such a case. Second distinction, Amnam. Afilu wansu bal karcho l'chal Yom Kippurim. Even if, even if we're talking about a case where there was no choice, where there was no autonomy involved. Somehow, somebody was able, made you Mechal Yom Kippur, you had no choice in the matter. I'm not sure how that's possible. If, if they just, you know, if, they, if, you, if you were passive, you didn't violate Yom Kippur. If, if, if you did it, then you had a choice. If you didn't do it, I'm not sure how it would be Chil Yom Kippur. But somehow, maybe they stuffed food down your throat or something like that. They, they took you and they force-fed you, the, like they do to prisoners in jail sometimes. So even in a case like that, where they forced you to eat, he says, He says, that's still not a question of, uh, of a Simen Ra. Because, the, because, again, the, the Gemara picked Kerry. The Gemara picked seminal emissions for a reason. That's Indian Maguna. That's something which is disgraceful. That's a Simon Menashemayim, 
that it's the that 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 that, that you're that you're being given into the kachachitzonim, the the impure spirits, hamatamim. By by showing you carry, it's a sign that you're being handed over that 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 your fate is being uh, put into the 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 chitzonim, the the evil spirits, because uh, because you you weren't saved from this uh, disgraceful thing of carry the, the opposite of purity on on Yom Hakadosh on the holy day. That's a simon Hashemayim that you're in trouble. But other types of onus, which are which are not don't have the the disgrace of carry, ain't no any in Certainly an onus where you did a positive mitzvah again. He goes back to that of saving your life and shmartim. So 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 again he says, uh, I'll tell you another reductio ad absurdum. He says, Are you really going to tell me that if a person eats on Yom Kippur because of pikuach nefesh, that's like shvichas kiton? That's like the Hashem is spurning your avodas Hashem. Let me ask you. He says, a mohel who performs a circumcision, a mila, on Shabbos or Yom Kippur, which he's supposed to do, of course, eighth day, even on Shabbos, even on Yom Kippur. Yitzarech gamkin kapara, you can tell me the Moel needs a kapara, kosof kosof, he violated Shabbos, he violated Yom Kippur, of course not, he says. Whoever heard of such a thing? The Moel did a great mitzvah. And you also did a great mitzvah, he says. You ate because you had to eat, he says. So how is it any different? You can say lambdas, maybe explain the difference between mila on Yom Kippur and eating, but machas pikuach nefesh on Yom Kippur. I'll call upon the Binyan Tzion fails, they're analogous. If you really think that this, that this Gemara is not limited to carry, that this Gemara not limited to seminal emissions, that this Gemara applies even to someone who eats because of Pikuach Nefesh, who is Michal, Michal Shabbos, Michal Yom Kippur because of Pikuach Nefesh, so then every Moel should, be, uh, should, should, be, should, should feel that he is in divine disgrace. We don't tell Moelim to feel like that. So therefore, this is his second point. His first point was that the, the Gemara only applies when the ones is completely minashamayim, not when there's an act of bechira involved, where you have to choose to eat. His second point is it's limited to carry. It does not apply to other types of things like eating or chil shabbos or yamtuf. Third point he makes is lulei I would learn the gemara differently. I would learn that even in the case of carry, there's no issue of shafach kiton. Why? Shvichas Kiton is limited to that one case in the Mishnah of rain on Sukkot. He says, why did the, because why did the Chum give the example of, of uh, why did the Chum give the example of Shavach Kiton on Sukkah? Why not any other mitzvah that a person was forced to mevatel? Even Sukkah, they only said it about rain. They didn't say if a person's sick, he's also part from the Sukkah if he's sick. Or if he's mitzar bedvar macherim, as we said before, if a person is, is suffering tsar because of the temperature or the bugs or other things or other cases we apatra as well, why did the Mishnah pick the specific example of rain? Says the Binyan I would like to learn, if not for Rashi, I would learn that in general, when there are minhage ha'olam, when there are the ways of the world, the laws of nature, so does, in other words, the laws of nature prevent someone from doing a mitzvah, he calls them shluchim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, nature is a shliach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's not Shafach Kiton, he says. That's not a simon that Akash Baruch Hu is rejecting your avoda. Hashem chooses, Hashem does, doesn't generally want to interfere with the laws of nature. Hashem in general does not wish to interfere, to intervene with his shluchim, with the laws of nature, even when, even when necessary to help someone do a mitzvah. That's not, that's not the way Hashem runs the world. He brings an interesting story in Masechus Chulim. Talmud brings a story where Pinchas ben Yair it says he was once going to do a mitzvah of Pidyon Shvuyim. And it says he met in, and he, he was caught behind a river. He had to cross the river. The river was uh, prevented him from crossing. So he did what any, 
righteous uh, tzaddik would do. He told the river, please split. Please, uh, please split for me so I can cross and do the great mitzvah. The river said, nothing doing. You're going to do the will of your, of your creator, the mitzvah pidyon shvuyim. I'm also. Meaning I follow the laws of nature. The Hashem made a world that rivers flow. I'm also doing what Hashem wants. So why should I split for you? The river had other arguments. So meaning that's why Hashem runs the world. Hashem does not, into, this is presumably, you know, I'm sure some understand this is some kind of mushal. But the point was, Hashem does not automatically override the laws of nature to help people do mitzvahs. Reb Pinchas Ben Yar, who was an extraordinary tzaddik, an, an extraordinary person, he had the last word. He told the river, I demand that you split, and if you don't, I will just shut you down permanently. I will, I will make a on you, that your water will stop flowing uh, well permanently, so the river was intimidated into compliance, and the river split. But that's the exception. That's the exception that, that, that proves the rule. In general, the river's point was, this is the way the world works. Just because, just because you are going to uh, do a mitzvah, I, I, I'm, I'm a river that Hashem made. I, I do my thing also. I do my thing also. Says the B'nai Tzion. So normally, when things happen, when the, when, when the laws of nature, when they work out in such a way that, they, that you can't do a mitzvah, that's not a sign in Hashemayim. What's a sign? Hashem made a world. The world runs according to nature. Sometimes things don't go the way you want. The fact that Hashem is not intervening to help you do the mitzvah, that's not the way Hashem runs the world. Hashem, Hashem allows the laws of nature to run their course. He allows rivers to flow. He allows things to happen. So in general, this idea that when you're prevented from doing a mitzvah through no fault of your own, that, that's not Shafak Lokito. That's just the way the world works. Why is rain different? Why, why with regard to rain, does the, Mara say, does the Mishnah say it is Shafak Lokito? Says the Binyan Tzion, a very interesting distinction, he says rain is unique, rain is different from other natural phenomena. Rain is administered, is implemented by Kosh Baruch Hu himself. And he brings a statement of Chazal, There were three keys that were not given to the Shliach, that Hashem retains these keys himself. One of them is rain, one of them is childbirth, I think, one of them is Tchiasamesim. These particular phenomena... Hashem retains direct control of, and therefore, if it rains, you know that it's Hashem's will. That's, that's not just uh, cold, uncaring nature that's just running its course. If it rains, Hashem wanted it to rain, and therefore, that is Shavach Lokita. So, Dafka rain, Dafka rain is Shavach Lokita, and any other natural experience that prevents you from doing a mitzvah is not Shavach Lokita. This is not like Rashi, because Rashi said that the, the keri is considered Shavach Lokita. But if not for Rashi, he says, I would say that Shafak Lakitun is limited to rain, and therefore it has nothing to do with eating on Yom Kippur. So the bottom line is, Binyan Sion has, in summary, he has three reasons why the Shafak Lakitun of Rashi and Masechus Yoma shouldn't be a concern for someone who eats on Yom Kippur. One of them is that it's limited to situations in which you're a passive participant, and it was forced upon you, not where you had Bechira, not where you made the choice to eat, because to save your life, that's one. Second, he says, it's only Kerry, which is Dover Maguna, which is something disgraceful. It's an antithesis of Yom Kippur. That's something which is a Simon Rab and Hashemayim. But just because a person had to eat to save his life, or had to do Shabbos to save his life, that's not, that's not Shavach Lokiton. 
And third, he says, Rashi, we would say Shavach Lakitan is limited to rain. Rain is unique. It's one of three natural, one of only three natural phenomena that Hashem controls directly. That's Shavach Lakitan. For other types of situations, are uh, not Shavach Lakitan. So therefore, because of all these reasons, don't, don't, don't t- take the wrong lesson from the Gemara and Yoma. The halacha, he says, you're an absolute ones, ones rechman apatre, you have no need for a carbon or a kapara, you didn't do anything wrong, you shouldn't feel like shavach lokiton, you should have an absolutely clear conscience. Hayotze midvara, he says, the, the, the bottom line is, after all this, he says, shemuftachani, she'en yididi neriyare tarach kapara. I am convinced, I am absolutely sure, he says, you, you do not need any, any kapara. That would be even if you totally violated the laws of Yom Kippur to save your life, even with an outright bona fide violation of the laws of Yom Kippur. You ate shiur, you ate, uh, you were able to avoid eating a shiur shalem, and you didn't enjoy it. Hashem rewards people based on the tsar they suffer. You did not have an enjoyable experience eating it. He says, "Umagam also, praise the Lord, you were healed from your choli, the Yaduat, the Gemara and Mesachas Nadarim, Shecholosh and Nisrape, who boasts in Shemokal Hem Kalabanosav. When a person is healed from choli, Hashem is Mokal his Averis. Therefore, he says, you should have an absolutely clean conscience, you should, and you're wrong in thinking that you have some kind of spiritual stain, some kind of need of atonement. You are absolutely fine, you did nothing wrong, you have no need for kapara, and uh, you should look at this correctly. And not the way you're feeling now is wrong, he says. You should be, you should have no spiritual qualms whatsoever. That was the truth. Yes. So, 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 so Max, is bring, Max is referencing the story of Cain in, in, in Pasha's Bereshus, where Cain and Hevel both brought Karbanus. The Hevel's offering Hashem accepted. Cain's offering was not accepted, Losha. Cain was, uh, his face fell, and Hashem told him, that's Lamanof Lupanecha, why are you reacting this way? And if you continue this way, as Max says, he would, Lapesa Chatas Rovates, this may lead to sin. So on the one hand, this was clearly was a sign in Hashemayim. This, this was clearly, this was some kind of supernatural occurrence. Hashem accepted one offering and not the other. So Kayan definitely had, Kayan definitely had uh, a good reason to be, uh, to be uh, anguished that Hashem had rejected his carbon. So what exactly did Hashem mean when he said, That is a good question. I, I, I'm not so familiar with the narrative, I would have, with the, what the Mepharshim say. I would have to look, I, have to, I would have to check the Mepharshim and see how they explain what Hashem's message to Cain was. Yeah, that's a good point, where Cain, there, Cain certainly was justified, it was very rational to be, uh, to, to understand this as Hashem spurning his offering, which he was, the, the Mepharshim give different reasons for why Hashem spurned his offering. 
how Kayan was expected how Kayan was, was expected to react emotionally. That's a good question. We have to see how the commentaries explain that story. Um, just, just, just to wrap things up in our tshuvas, so this, this, this tshuva, as we said, was, was written in, in uh, the 12th of Marcheshva in Tafresh Yudtes, which would have been, uh, again, about a, mo- a month or so after Yom Kippur. A month later, in Kislev, he had a further tshuva. Apparently, the, apparently the, his correspondent wrote back to him. And see, a month later, he had a, he had a follow-up tshuva, which deals with an interesting point, a little bit tangential to the, to, to, a little bit ancillary to the main theme of the previous tshuva. But at the end of the, the first tshuva in Simon Chavhei, the Binyan Tzion said that I think that rain is different from all other, from all other, uh, all other natural phenomena, because rain is one of the three things that are, that is directly controlled by Hashem. Directly controlled by Hashem, it wasn't given to the shliach. So, the, there is, however, a whole discussion about this. This is a Gemara in Tanis. There is a whole discussion that says that after the Gemara says that the keys were never given to a shliach, the Gemara says that the key was given to Elio. It says that Elio's first, first appearance in Sefer Malachim, he bursts onto the scene, he's outraged that the Jews are, are Rishayim, and he says, Chai Hashem, he says, I swear by God that there will be no rain henceforth there shall be no rain in this land, unless I authorize it, there'll be no rain. Elio turned off the rain, and he created a terrible famine in the land of Israel. So, eventually, one of the Haftarists we read, it says Elio appeared and told Avadia, he said, he, he said, he said I'm going I'm to bring the rain. He said, go tell Achav, I'm here. And when Achav came, he said, uh, I'm going to bring rain. He said, now, he said, now we're going to bring rain. But for three years, Elio turned off the rain. So, Chazal have an elaborate story of what happened. Elio turned off the rain. Hashem actually wanted to bring rain. Hashem was not as fierce, was not as, was not as, uh, was not as vindictive to the Jewish people as Elio was. But the problem was, Elio had asked Hashem for the key to the rain. Hashem had given Elio the key. Hashem wanted the key back. He didn't want to just take it back. He didn't want to be an Indian giver. So I think the way the Gemara says it is, Hashem maneuvered things that Elio would have to offer him the key back. Hashem, Hashem engineered the episode of the Ben Hatzarfis, the, 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 the woman, Elio's patron, who lost her son. And Elio wanted to revive the child. So Elio asked Hashem to have the key to Tchias and Mesim as well. Another one of the three keys. Hashem said, it's not proper. At this point, if I give you the key to Tchias and Mesim, you'll have two out of three. I'll only have the childbirth one, and you'll have both the rain and the... And the Tchias Mason one, the Talmud should have two, and the Master only has one. If you, if you give me back the key to the rain, and I'll give you the key for Tchias Mason. So that's what happened. So Leo had the key to Tchias Mason, and he, re, and he revived the child. And Hashem had the key for the rain, so Hashem was able to bring rain. Gaviachel was able to bring rain. So the, the Rav Etlinger's correspondent said, you see, Hashem does give the keys to other people sometimes. He gave the key to Leo. Rashi Masechus Tanis says, so what does Imara mean if the key is not given to the Shliach? It means that not all the keys are given to the shliach. Tosa says it means that the keys are not given to the shliach permanently. There's no permanent shliach. The keys are given on an ad hoc, temporary basis to shluchim. So the Benin wrote a whole tshuva discussing the different approaches to that Gemara and, and reconciling them with what he wrote in the previous tshuva, that rain is always a manifestation from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not something given to the shliach. I didn't go through the whole next tshuva. You can look at it in Simen Chavav, where he talks about different, different interpretations of that Gemara. Okay, so I just want to conclude 
by moving away from the Benyantion. So as we've seen, the Mishnah says, Shafak Lokiton, the, the metaphor of the spilling water in his face, the Mishnah says that about rain on Sukkot. Rashi says that Rashi extends that to someone who sees Keri, someone who has a seminal emission on Yom Kippur. Other Akronim as well discuss the question of whether this idea of Shafak Lokiton applies in other scenarios and other mitzvahs. One of the things they bring is a Chasam Sofer. Chasam Sofer was asked about a very interesting case. He says that he was asked this question by, uh, by, by the rabbi of Krakow, Rav Shaul Landau, rabbi of Krakow. He says, in Chodesh Kislev, of, of some point in the, early, in the first half of the 19th century, also, in Chodesh Kislev, but a little bit earlier than the Binyan Tzian's tshuva, in Chodesh Kislev, the, they, they, they wanted to do Kiddush Levana, but the moon was covered with clouds. And... Uh, and in an, earlier, in an earlier year, in the year Tuf Kuf Tzadi Aleph, in, 19, in, in 1831 or so, 30-31, there was a Kislev, which, which might have still been 30 or 31, there was also a case where there was uh, cloudy and they couldn't do Kiddush Levana at a time of cholera. It was also cholera time, and Lotov Hayach Riso. Something bad happened. I guess the, the, the epidemic flared up, people died. So people had a kind of, uh, took it as an omen that if you can't say Kiddush Levana and cholera is, is rampant, things might be very bad. So people were very concerned. They, 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 they see, oh no, it's happening again. Cholera is, uh, cholera is circulating and we can't do Kiddush Levana. There's no moon. And the moon was not visible until after the normal time for Kiddush Levana on the 15th night. Normally we only do it uh, from mola to mola. We, we, we divide the period of two molads. The, 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 the molad period, the average molad period is the famous figure of 29 days, 12 hours, 793 halakim. Kiddush Levana can normally be said until half of that. But in this case, the moon wasn't visible until a little bit after that. And some people started making Kiddush Levana. Then the moon was covered again. People were very upset. Nittaru Ha'amon, Simana Milsa, and, uh, and doctors warned that morale is very important during cholera. Harofim, Azirim, Ma'od, Bismana, Ma'gefa, Bechlal, and particularly cholera, that people should not be upset, that depression and uh, mental anguish is, uh, is, is a, uh, is, it makes people more susceptible to the disease. The people were very concerned, so the people were very concerned that they couldn't do Kiddush Levana, and the time seemed to have passed. So this Rav, this Rav Landau, in order to uh, boost morale, he allowed them to do Kiddush Levana on the 16th night. And it was very clear, it was, uh, this, the moon was bright and clear, and hundreds of people made the brach of Kiddush Levana, and they, were, they had great joy, they felt they had dodged the bullet. How could he do that? How could he allow Kiddush Levana past the time? There are certain shittas that say you, you can do it on the 16th night. So the, the bulk of the tshuva, the Chassam Sofer, discusses the different opinions on when is the absolutely last time to do Kiddush Levana, was, was this... Uh, was this, was this remarkably lenient ruling because of the great, uh, the need to, to boost morale? Was this justified or not? In the course of the tshuva, he says, he, he, he actually endorses the, the concern that not making Kiddush Levana is a sign of divine disgrace. He actually endorses that. People were superstitious about it, but he says it actually is a religiously correct attitude, he says. And he says, it's not a good simon, it's not a simon tov if you can't do Kiddush Levana, he says, even though it's not your fault, when it's covered with clouds. It's like, it's like the Mishnah in Sukkah. It's like a person tries to sit in the Sukkah and the master throws the water at him. You try to do Kiddush Levana, Hashem says, no moon for you, he covers the moon with clouds. 
So the Chesam Sofer basically also extends the, the Kiddush Levana thing to, extends the Shavach Lokiton to Kiddush Levana. So he's also not assuming, like the Binyan Tzion, that it's limited to rain. I don't know, maybe clouds is, is in the same category as rain. He's certainly not assuming that it's limited to, uh, not assuming that it's limited to, to the case of Kerry, which is Maguna. But uh, again, here, here they had no Bechira, it was covered up. So, but again, the Chesam Sofer, in, in a noteworthy tshuva, we have to work out how, how this fits into the, the, the different forests of the Binyan Tzion, but the, the Chesam Sofer assumed that the idea of Shafach Lokiton is uh, applies to Kiddush Levana, not being able to take Kiddush Levana when it's cloudy as well. One final tshuva I'll mention briefly, I did not have a chance to look this up, but I saw that the I saw that they I, I saw someone bring from the Shvus Yaakov that he says that Shavalokiton is limited to rain. Rain is something that comes from the sky downward. The, 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 the analogy is very tight. It's a very close analogy. It's like the heaven is throwing water at us, he says. That's Shafak Lokitan. Someone who can't do Kiddush Levana, he says, is different, or it's cloudy. We don't see water being thrown from heaven down to us. That's different. So the Shavos Yaakov has a very tight, very limited uh, explanation of Shavak Lokitan. I'll call upon him. So we have these different opinions of when and where to apply Shavak Lokitan. But the Binyan Sion says, for a, for a variety of reasons, for three reasons, we definitely should not apply the idea of Shafak Lokiton to someone who did a bris milan Shabbos Yom Kippur, to someone who ate on Yom Kippur because his life was in danger, to someone who was Mechal Shabbos Yom Kippur because someone's life was in danger. All these cases, the person A, the person did absolutely the right thing. He should not feel guilty or, or the need for kapara in any shape or form. And furthermore, he should not feel it's a divine simon. The divine simon is, is more narrow. It's limited to the case in Yoma and the case in the Mishnah and Sukkah. There, there's no idea, there's no notion that someone who was forced to Michal Shabbos to save a life, his own life or the life of others, there is no notion whatsoever that that should be seen as a divine rejection of his attempt to serve God.